0: I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, June 10th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, I saw something, and I want to see if you saw it too. There was a marathon in Buffalo, I guess last weekend, and the winner was a Canadian guy, so kudos to that guy, but he ran it with a stroller with his two-year-old in it sleeping. What do you think of that?
1: It's incredible. It's actually so incredible that I can't believe it. To be able to run a marathon, period, is a huge feat. To be competitive in a marathon is an even more challenging thing to do, but to do that plus a stroller, that's crazy. Jay, do you think you could do that? I know I can't. I mean, I've run marathons and I've
0: run with the stroller. I know I couldn't do the two together. And I also have kids that wouldn't want to be in it that long. Although it wasn't that long, It's like two hours, 30 minutes, like he ran at a very, very good clip. He's a professional runner, I guess. But I also read he broke the world record for like fastest marathon pushing a stroller. And the other record that he broke was also held by a Canadian. So maybe there's actually something going on where people are running with strollers for distance and time.
1: That must be the only reason to do that. Because otherwise, like who are you trying to prove that you can run a marathon with a stroller? Like I don't understand. This is what I always want to do is find these niche world records. Like something plus something. And if you can get that, that's pretty neat. So, you know, anyway, we should look into that for ourselves. Well, the
0: longest running podcast of daily Canadian business news?
1: Yeah, something exactly like that.
0: <laughs> We're on to it. Brett, aside from you not running with a stroller or running a marathon or the two of them together, what do we have for Peak toss today?
1: For our first story, Canada's universities are still partnering with Huawei. For our second story, high household debt could be a big problem for Canada. And our third story is the world is running low on semiconductor chips.
0: For our first story, Researchers at some of Canada's top universities will continue to partner with Huawei, even after the federal government banned the telecom giant from the country's 5G networks. Brett, this sounds pretty controversial. Want to give the Peak pals some background on Huawei?
1: Sure. So last month, Canada followed the US, UK and Australia's lead in blocking Huawei from participating in its domestic wireless network, at least with the 5G technology, setting national security concerns stemming from the country's close ties with the Chinese government. Huawei currently
0: spends $25 million on research projects annually, many of which center around wireless tech, and in partnership with 20 Canadian universities, including McGill, Carleton, and UBC, none
1: of which have been told by the federal government to sever those ties. Now, a senior official told The Globe and Mail that the government may be worried over the potential for legal action if it were to ban Huawei from research in Canada. Universities would also have to look elsewhere to make up for the lost funding.
0: Some experts have raised concern that the intellectual property gained from these university partnerships may be used by China to grow its military and economic might. And according to the Global Mail, Huawei is listed as an owner of 80 recent patents, both pending and approved, invented by Canadian
1: researchers. And here's why it matters. As of 2018, 58% of patents granted to Canadians have foreign companies listed as the owner. And telecoms, the failure of Ottawa-based Nortel, I remember that, left room for international companies with deep pockets to sweep up The most sought after Canadian researchers, and by the way, it was Huawei that really led to the demise of Nortel.
0: (laughs) Though Huawei is hardly the only multinational benefiting from Canadian research, it is the only one that is also a government-mandated security risk. But if the feds want Canadian universities to stop working with Huawei, all they have to do, I guess, is ask.
1: For our second story, in its annual financial system review, the Bank of Canada warned that high levels of household debt and record high home prices are the top vulnerabilities that could lead to big problems for the country's financial system. This is all per The Globe and Mail. Now, Jay, what does all this mean for Canadians?
0: Well, as real estate boomed, Canadians stretched themselves thin to purchase homes, making smaller down payments and even leveraging their existing homes to buy other properties. But as interest rates hiked, so do the risks of unaffordable mortgage debt.
1: The Bank of Canada is most concerned about those who took out mortgages over the last two years as the country hits its highest loan-to-income ratio ever who could lose equity if prices dropped or face a shocking jump in payments at mortgage renewal time.
0: That sounds a lot like 2008, but when the central bank raises interest rates, debt becomes more expensive and therefore discourages Canadians from borrowing money. But it's difficult to strike the perfect balance between preventing spending and making Canadians' existing debt unaffordable.
1: Now, the report said if the shock is large enough to cause many households to be in this situation, the size of the impact could create a negative feedback loop between the real economy and the financial system. And so, Jay, let's kind of summarize all of this and tell people why they should care about this whole household debt situation.
0: Well, higher interest rates have already slowed real estate activity, with property sales and home prices falling in the country's hottest markets. But the likelihood of housing dragging down the economy and Canadians' financial stability with it is rising. The Bank of Canada said big banks will likely be just fine if a hard-hit housing market sparks an economic downturn or even a recession, given high amounts of cash in the bank and ability to generate revenues even in times of stress.
1: Now, the Bank of Canada also noted a range of other risks that appear to be growing, including the impacts of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, financial stability concerns related to climate change, a lack of regulation, and the crypto sector being a few. And for our third and final
0: story on this Friday. Like a pantry raided by a middle school hockey team, the world is running low on chips, but not those kind of chips. These are semiconductor chips. And all this chip talk is literally making me hungry, Brett. What's going on with semiconductors and the supply chain?
1: I'm actually relieved because I thought we were going back into the chip crisis of 2022 when Loblaws was no longer selling Lay's products. So between manufacturing constraints and technical issues, the two companies building the world's most advanced semiconductor chips, Samsung and TSMC, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation, could see shortages running into 2024. And this is all per The Wall Street Journal.
0: It all started in the early days of the pandemic when major automakers cut their chip orders since nobody was buying cars. At the same time, electronics companies increased orders as shoppers sought new laptops and game consoles to stave
1: off stuck indoor blues. As of April, the average fulfillment time for chips used in next-generation smartphones, high-end computers, and driverless cars deliveries is six months, made worse by other factors like labor shortages, supply chain challenges, adverse weather conditions in manufacturing hubs, and shortages of essential materials. To fight chip
0: insecurity. That's a good phrase right there, chip insecurity. The federal government invested $240 million in the Canadian semiconductor industry this year, while U.S. government officials are currently in talks with Intel about a $52 billion subsidy plan for chip making. As it stands, though, Samsung and TSMC are still the only companies with the capabilities to produce the most sophisticated chips used for the most advanced tech.
1: Now, ironically, there's currently a shortage of these super chips because the machinery used to produce them It requires less advanced chips to function. And so it's just a, it's a cyclical process here. So Jay, why should p care about the chip shortage?
0: Well, without improved chips, the most exciting tech of the near future won't be available as soon as it could be. To ensure the shiny new toys make their way to consumers and companies, Canada will need further support for the hundred companies or so currently doing R&D in the semiconductor space in this country.
1: Hey pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you,
0: Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, as we were doing that story about the fanciest of fancy chips, I think we're going to call those really high-end semiconductor chips all dressed. What do you think? It's a bit niche.
1: I think it's actually like a Canadian only product, but yeah, I, I like it.
0: Okay, so we're going to those fancy, fancy chips that are in short supply. We're going to call those ones the all-dressed semiconductor chips.
1: Yeah, perfect. Have a good weekend. You too, Jay.